So let me ask you something. How do you handle expectations? What's your tendency when expectations arise, when you set goals, when you have objectives, when people ask you to do things? For this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, I speak with Gretchen Rubin, author of The Four Tendencies, Surprising Truth About the Hidden Personality Types That Drive Everything we do very fascinating quiz that you can take to understand your tendency. Again, not a whole personality test, but your tendency when it comes to expectations. Check it out. Take the quiz and learn something about yourself. This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Grade.us. Reputation management's not something you want to mess around with. Grade.us is the tool we use with all of our clients. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Gretchen Rubin. She writes on habits and happiness. She is the author of a number of New York Times bestselling books, including The Happiness Project and a new book we're going to talk about today called The Four Tendencies, Surprising Truth About the Hidden Personality Types That Drive every, Everything We Do. So Gretchen, thanks for joining me. I'm so happy to be talking to you. So there have been a lot of books on personality types and trying to understand who we are and how we interact. Um, what do you hope The Four Tendencies is going to add to that body of work? Well, I love personality frameworks. I think they all kind of have their own special vocabulary and, and are, the, the way that they shine a spotlight that's helpful on human nature. The thing that I like about the four tendencies, my own framework, is um, it has to do with a very narrow aspect of your personality, but something that's very, very important and significant, which is how you respond to expectations. But it doesn't try to explain anything else about you. So you could you could have a lot of depending on how intellectual you were or ambitious you were or considerate of other people or extroverted or introverted or adventurous or analytical. All these things could be different, but as to one thing, how you respond to ex inner and outer expectations, people fall into these big four categories, and that ends up um, making a very big difference in uh, how we can help ourselves change and help other people change. You know, that's interesting. I have for years talked about, you know, most of success or failure in life is about meeting or exceeding expectations. And so I, I've spent a lot of time trying to lower people's expectations. Um, mm, <laughs> so, interesting. So that's the first clue now. Um, cause I am going to ask you, you know, which, which personality type I am, but, um, Oh yeah. Okay. All right, so did you just sit on a bench in Bryant park and observe people, uh, to get, come up with your conclusions or what was your methodology? I mean, it was basically, it, it was not far away from that. I, you know, I really just, studied what the people around me were doing and saying and like what their frustrations were and like and then there were certain comments that would people would make over and over again like almost eerily like they were reading from the same script and I'd be like what is up with all these people who say verbatim oh I would keep a resolution if it was important to me but I would never like do a new year's resolution because January 1st is an arbitrary date yeah. like person after person said that exact thing to me hmm. and I'm like I don't know. The arbitrariness of it never really bothered me. What's going on with these people? Um, and so on. And I would see these patterns. And so I was trying to make sense of 
things that I kept seeing in the way people behaved and the way people talked, just as you say, just around me. Um, I wasn't like looking up research, you know, it wasn't undergraduates eating marshmallows in a laboratory. This was like, how do I make sense of what I see every day all around me? So like all good frameworks, you have a quiz uh, so yes. that people can test themselves. Uh, you know, again, there are other You've kind of already hinted at this, but you know, how is this quiz different, say, than some of the more traditional, like Myers-Briggs or something like that? Well, this really looks at how you respond to outer and inner expectations. So outer expectations, like a work deadline or a request from a friend, and then inner mm -hmm. expectations, um, like the desire to keep a New Year's resolution or to get back into meditation. Um that turns out to be a really important thing. And, you know, other frameworks don't really hone in on this as a, as a crucial thing. They're all, they, you know, they have their own thing that they're looking at and they're trying to pick out and identify. Um, but this ends up being, this is, this is something that's very useful to see how people are different from each other. All right. So let's uh, end the suspense. Uh, what, are, <laughs> what are the what four are tendencies? So there are upholders questioners, obligers, and rebels. And so, as I said, this has to do with outer and inner expectations. So upholders readily meet outer and inner expectations. They meet the work deadline. They keep the New Year's resolution without much fuss. They want to know what's expected of them, but their expectations for themselves are just as important. Questioners question all expectations. They make everything an inner expectation because if it meets their standard, if they think that it makes sense, they will meet an expectation. And if they don't think it meets their expectation, they will reject it. So they don't like anything arbitrary or unjustified or irrational or inefficient. So their question is always, why should I? Why should I do it? If I should, if I think it makes sense, I'll do it. If not, I won't. Next are obligers. Obligers readily meet outer expectations, but they struggle to meet inner expectations. And so I, and I had this insight when a friend of mine said to me, when I was in high school, I was on the track team, and I never missed track practice, so why can't I go running now? Well, when she had a team and a coach waiting for her, she had no trouble showing up, but when she was just trying to go running on her own, it was a struggle. And then finally, rebels. Rebels resist all expectations, outer and inner alike. They want to do what they want to do in their own way, in their own time. If you ask or tell them to do something, they're very likely to resist, and typically, they don't even like to tell themselves what to do. Um, so those are the four tendencies. And once you know your tendency and the people of the tendency of the people around you, you have a much better sense of why they do or don't do something. How, in your view, do we develop these tendencies? Is this like a nature nurture thing or like how do are we just born with these? I think we are just born with yeah. these. I do. All right. So tell me this. Do you think people adopt or act out a different tendency in different environments? No, I don't. I think that it's very consistent. Now, it's true that with time and experience, people learn how to like harness the strengths of their tendencies and to counterbalance the weaknesses and limitations of their tendencies. And so you might, if you're in a, so obligers need outer accountability even to meet inner expectations. And some outer, some obligers figure this out even instinctively. And they know like, I need deadlines. I need to be accountable. So if I'm going to work out, I'm going to work out with a friend. And if I'm at work, I'm going to make sure that I have a lot of accountability from my boss and my coworkers. And if I want to read, I'm going to be in a book group. Um, you know, if I want to go get regular exercise, I'm going to have a dog and that I feel like I have to take my dog out because she loves being outside so much. They could build it in. So it's definitely true that you can work with your tendency and like get a better result from your tendency. But I do think that, you know, whether you're at work or at home, whether you're 20 years old or 40 years old, um, your tendency is something that is just part of you. So 
from a so, so let's say we take the test and we learn uh, what our tendency is. What can we do with that um, in the workplace or you know as we go through the day? Well, it depends on your tendency and it depends on how it's like if it's causing you problems or not. So yeah. like one thing that questioners often find, you know, and, and if you work with a questioner, you may have experienced this or if you or if you have one in your life. Um, questioners sometimes, not always, but sometimes fall into analysis paralysis mm -hmm. where they want more and more and more information. Uh, they want perfect information before they make a decision or before they act. And this can cause them to seem obstructionist or like they're, they're, um, a, uh, you know, uh, they're causing a log jam because they're not moving forward. And so you want to be aware of this as a questioner, that this is something that can happen when you're aware of this, this pattern, then you can say like, well, I need to give myself a deadline or I'm going to limit how much research I'm going to do, or I'm going to remind myself that it's inefficient to keep researching. Um, questioners often drain and overwhelm others with all their questions. And this is something like if somebody's driving you crazy, oh my gosh, you ask too many questions. It's helpful to be like, oh, this is a questioner. Like it's not aimed at me. They're not, they don't mean to undermine my authority. They're not rejecting my judgment. They just want to have their questions answered. Um, with obligers, it's like they need that outer accountability. And so if they ask for it, you want to help them get it. So for instance, um, uh, one thing that I experience, I see a lot in writers, because I'm a writer and I'm, I know a lot of writers, is that there'll be a writer who's very, very productive when they're like working on a newspaper where they have an editor and deadlines and all these colleagues and this pressure of like getting out the newspaper. But then they go on book leave and they're supposed to write a book and they have all this time to write a book. And then they're like, oh, I have writer's block. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think you have writer's block. I think you need accountability. Yeah. So you need your agent or your editor to be like, I want to see a chapter once a month and I'm going to be looking for it. And if you're not writing it, I want you to explain to me why. And we need to keep this moving forward and I'm checking on you. Or they join a writer's group where everybody keeps each other going or they hire a coach or whatever it would be or take a class where you have to turn in material, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, so that's, with, that's like yeah. when people sign up for a 10K, they start, you know, that's the, that's the thing that's going to make them start running or something. So that's something important to know about yourself. That yeah. isn't true for everybody. Right, right. Some people don't need to sign up for a 10K. But if you need to sign up for a 10K, just say to yourself, well, I'm the kind of person who needs to sign up for a 10K, so I'm going to. Instead yeah. of being like, I shouldn't have to sign up for a 10K. Why don't I yeah. have enough inner motivation? I need to have more willpower. It's like, no, if you need to sign up for a 10K, sign up for a 10K. Well, you know, so, like yeah. that's. That's oh, fine. I, I was going to say, so that's really a part of what you're saying is the, the value of understanding is to sort of hack these things a little bit, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. Because once you know what the problem is, you can fix it. So, so a lot of times um, teams, you know, within sides of organizations benefit from having diversity. Uh, yeah. Would you say that that's true of these tendencies, that may, a good team is going to have these diverse tendencies? Uh, yes. Yeah. Because they each have different strengths and weaknesses. Yes. So as the leader of that team, <laughs> mm -hmm. how am I going to deal with that? So let's say that you, um, let's say you have a, let's say you were going to introduce a new kind of software and you wanted everybody to get on board and implement this. Well, you might say, give a little presentation and explain why. And then you could say to your team, if you feel like you've heard enough about why we're implementing this new software, feel free to go back to your desk. If you would like to ask me further questions about why we felt like this was the right thing for us to choose to do and why we're implementing this change, I'm here to answer your questions. Yeah. So then the, then the people who don't need any more questions answered can like go, and so they're not drained and overwhelmed by all the questioner questions, and yet the questioners are having an opportunity to get their questions answered, which is what they need to get on board. They need to have robust explanations. Um, now, let's say you have an obliger. Well, if you have an upholder boss, an upholder boss might say, like, 
Hey, John, when you have a little bit of time, would you mind running those numbers for me? I mean, no rush, just like whenever you can get to it. And I, as the upholder, would feel like, okay, this is an assignment that you're going to feel responsible for getting to me in your own time. As an obliger, an obliger might feel like, what? Is that even like a real thing that I'm expected to do? They're just like, I don't feel any accountability to that. I don't even really feel like that really happened. You know, <laughs> so it's like, oh, if I'm talking to obliger, I'm going to be like, I really would like to have it by Friday because I want to read it over the weekend. So please try to get it to me by Friday. You know, that's going to help an obliger, whereas an upholder maybe would prefer to have something more open-ended. With a, with a questioner, if you're like, if you want them to do something, you could say to the questioner, oh, I would really like to get that information by Friday. And the questioner could be thinking to themselves, yeah, but I know he's not going to read it until Wednesday. So I'll get it to him by Wednesday, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to bust my, myself trying to get this done because he's not going to read it. So what I would say to a questioner is, can you please get it to me by Friday? Because I've got a long flight on Saturday and I know that this, that's going to be a good opportunity for me to read the report. So then it's like, so the questioner thinks, that makes sense. I see the efficiency of me getting to the report on Friday because there's going to be this great opportunity for this work to be done. So fine, I will do it. I've given the reason for what it's not an arbitrary deadline. Right. It's a, it's a meaningful deadline. And with a rebel, you know, the obligers need accountability, but rebels don't do well with accountability. So with a rebel, you want to be more like, this is an assignment. You, this is something you can choose to do. Um, this is a challenge. This is the kind of thing you enjoy and you're good at. Um, you know, this is what happens if you do it or don't do it. Um, you know, it's up to you. Hey, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this episode is brought to you by grade.us. That's grade.us. This is a tool that we use with all of our clients for reputation management. It works so well to build a review funnel, getting those reviews on places like Google Plus and Yelp and industry review sites. So, so important today, both for SEO and certainly for social proof. Reviews, ratings, your reputation depends on it. Why not use a tool that makes it as easy as possible for those raving fans to give you the reviews in the places that you need it? Check it out at grade.us slash D-T. All right, so I took the quiz. Ah, interesting. And, and I don't think I've given myself away a yet. No, I don't think you have. So I'll give you a hint. Okay. When I go to some place and I want to do something and then somebody tells me, oh, well, we have a policy against that mm-hmm. and it makes absolutely no sense, um, mm-hmm. I am generally a very peaceful person, but I want to strangle that person. And mm-hmm. I actually want to ask them, how do they live with themselves working in this organization that is enforcing, having them enforce policies that make absolutely no sense? Oh, well, I know what you are right away. <laughs> You're a questioner. I am a questioner. Yes. Uh, however, just, yeah. go, go ahead. Go ahead. Because it's like, this makes no sense. Yeah. That's like, that's the questioner thing. Why are people such lemmings? Why do they, <laughs> why do they do all this stuff that makes no sense? Like, you know, it makes them crazy about other people. And my yep. wife wants to kill me, but I have once or twice actually said, to people, I you know can can something like can you live with yourself enforcing that policy that makes right, no sense? Right. Like you can't even explain it to me. <laughs> but so, but here's a good example. This talking about the workplace. Yeah. Some workplaces would would really uh, value that, and yeah. they'd be like, this this is a really valuable employee because he's saving us all this time. Right. He's making us forced on like why are we doing what we're doing? He's keeping us efficient. He's keeping us lean. He's keeping us focused, um, and our getting our time and our energies focused on something that's going to get results. This is a really valuable employee. Right. Another organization could be like, this guy's not a team player. Yeah. This guy doesn't trust authority. This guy's always like up in my grill. He's not helpful. I don't like this. He is not a good team member. So same guy, 
same behavior, different organizations value it, other organizations might not. So if you're a questioner, you want to be thinking like, well, how's this, how is this organization going to view my questioning and my drive for efficiency and justification? Because some places it could get me a bonus. Some places it could get me fired. So, so that leads to, I mean, I've, that's why I've owned my own business probably for but, all but five years of my life. A um, lot of questioners <laughs> say that. They're like, I don't trust other people's decisions. They don't do their research. They make these stupid decisions. They're like, I got to do it for myself because then I know everything's going to make sense. So that begs the question of, you know, are, is a tendency better suited towards something? I mean, have, could you say, oh, well, a lot of, just as you said, questioners start their own business, do, you know, do obligers end up in certain roles? You know, I think for just about everything, any any tendency could do it in their own way. They could bring their own spirit to it. So certainly an upholder could start their own business, a questioner could start their own business, an obliger could start their own business, a rebel could start their own business. And they would bring their own spirit to it and they would have their own challenges and strengths within that. There are certain patterns, though, like rebels often gravitate to things where like maybe every day is different. Like I'm going to visit a different field office every day or I'm going to be founding something where every day is like a new adventure. Or maybe I'm in sales where like, hey, man, you can do anything you want as long as you make that sale because that like appeals to the rebel tendency. Not that others couldn't do it, but that there might be special value. Um, for questioners, you know, they don't want to do something that doesn't make sense. And I remember I got an email from somebody who's like, who said, now I understand why I hate my job so much. I'm a tax accountant and I'm a questioner and I spend my whole day enforcing rules that are totally arbitrary and make no sense. It makes me nuts. It's like, yeah, that's not a good fit for just for your nature. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I don't think that it's as simple as like, oh, you're an upholder, so you should be an air traffic controller. But it <laughs> is it might it's helpful to think about why certain environments might feel more comfortable to you or you might be better suited to them. You know, like if you want to hire a lawyer who's going to like really push the limits of the law for you, I wouldn't hire an upholder for that. Yeah. If you want to hire somebody who's going to be like the super straight arrow, who's going to like make sure that every I is dotted and every T is crossed – then you're gonna you're probably gonna be good well off with an upholder who's gonna be really really motivated to like meet all those expectations. Yeah, so it's it, just gonna come more naturally. In, in some cases, it might actually be you know the culture of an organization you know mm-hmm. may may dictate yes. your fit as, as yes. much as anything. So, Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. one of the things when I see, when I read these things and, and it's like okay, you are this. Um, is it anybody purely that? I mean, or is there is there sort of crossover or bleed over? Like when I read the analysis paralysis, nobody has ever accused me of that part of the questioner because right. I make decisions very quickly and I don't use a lot of data. So, I mean, mm-hmm. do, is there a mixture? Do, do you other do you, do people complain that you ask too many questions? No, they don't. No. So no one's ever said that you drained and overwhelmed them with too many no, questions? No, in fact, like I'm even not. Even in childhood, like when you were in school? Did oh, you yeah, ever yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, yes, yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to know how everything worked. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> yes, that's very typical. Then that's a problem that questioner children have is because they're like, well, why should I Why yeah. should I me- memorize the multiplication exactly. tables? Like they really are waiting for an answer to that. Yes. Um, well, so I think – the way I think that the mixtures works is I don't think people are really mixtures, but the way that this comes up is that if you think about it, every question, every tendency overlaps with two tendencies. So like yeah. you're a questioner. So in a way, and I'm an upholder. So in a way, you and I share something and that we both readily meet inner expectations. So in that way, yeah. we're alike. Yeah. But then, but in a way, you're like a rebel because rebels and questioners both resist outer expectations. And so, um, and so, so some rebels are more 
leaning to upholder and some, I mean, some questioners are more leaning towards upholder, which is like my husband and some questioners are more leaning towards rebel. And so that, so their tendency kind of takes uh, on a flavor. It's more rebel like. Um, And so there is a variation within the tendency. I would say these people are still well within their core tendency of questioner, but what, but like, for instance, some questioners really have trouble with speed limits and other traffic regulations, which to them seem arbitrary and totally unjustified. So they're like, well, why am I going to observe the speed limit? Because it's like, makes no sense that everybody's supposed to, I'm a great driver. Other people are terrible drivers. Why do we all drive 65 miles per hour? (laughs) My husband is a questioner who leans towards upholder. So he doesn't have problems with rules like that. Questioners who lean towards rebels, like really, really, really need a good justification for something or they really have trouble meeting an expectation. So they almost look like rebels, but they're still coming from this core place of why should I, where the rebel is coming from the core place of you can't make me. Ah. Do you think that, you know, it's pretty well documented um, that any of these kind of quizzes end up having uh, sort of a bias? Um, you've probably had thousands of discussions now with people that have taken this quiz. Do you feel like people readily say, yeah, that nailed me? Or, you know, what's kind of been the feeling as people have reported to you their results? You mean how readily they recognize themselves within the yeah, tendencies? Yeah, or, or and, and noting that, I mean, at least everything I've read about surveys is that this kind of personality survey is most people agree with them. In fact, I read one study where they had all these people take these surveys and then they just randomly gave them. You know, oh, the interesting. <laughs> and, and, and 90% of them said, boy, you nailed me, even though it like had nothing to do with what they answered. Well, that's interesting. I don't know. I would love to do that and see what happened. Yeah. I have to say, like, even putting aside the actual quiz, I feel like these are totally obvious in the world and they aren't, they aren't easily confused. Yeah. You do not sound to me like a rebel. You do not sound to me like an obliger. You do not sound to me like an upholder. That you sound like to me like, like a questioner. Yeah. It seems pretty obvious. And I mean, I feel like as an upholder, I'm like, most people are not like me. I readily recognize that. It's like, I'm like constantly, you know, astonished by, well, now I, now I'm not because I understand the tendencies, but it used to be, I was like, I don't understand other people's deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? They seemed really different from me, and I really felt like the kind of person that I am. And when I would ca- talk to someone who I now know is another upholder, uh, we would completely agree. So I feel like I, I, maybe because this is so narrow, it's just trying yeah. to explain one yeah. very narrow aspect. It does seem to me to be pretty clear what people are, but I would love to do something like that, like to test it, or maybe to say, like, if there was a group of people where they all knew each other, like have everybody identify what they think everybody else's tendency is, and then see how correlated they were. One thing I've noticed is that when I'm speaking, if I'm speaking to a group, typically it's a work group where people know each other, as I'm describing a tendency, (laughs) everybody will start to laugh and point at at different people, meaning that they are saying, as I'm describing it, Here's the person. Yeah. This is the, you're describing somebody we know, and they think it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and some some are more some people are more extreme or more like defined than others. Um, but I, I do feel like people do. It's not like astrology where like oh yeah I'm totally that. It's like I'm this and I'm nothing else. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I and I do like the as you said the very narrow focus on expectations because I think that does allow people to create situations in their mind of, oh yeah, that, you know, I was doing that in that situation. Yeah. So Gretchen, where can people find out more about the four tendencies and about your work? 
Uh, at GretchenRubin.com, there's a ton of information there about the four tendencies and a lot of resources. The quiz, if you want to take the quiz, which is also at HappierCast.com slash quiz, if you want to take the quiz. Um, and I also have a podcast, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, where I um, often talk about the four tendencies with my sister, <laughs> who is an obliger. Um, so, um, yeah, and then I'm on, I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, everywhere else, um, as Gretchen Rubin. And I love to engage with listeners and readers. So I encourage people to get in touch if they have questions or insights. Yeah, that's interesting. I think uh, we didn't talk about touch on this, but you do talk about you know children and tendencies, and I wonder how um, how tendencies vary inside of of family units. Uh, I I think my I have four girls, and I think they are all very different. I hadn't really considered the tendency part, but uh, I bet you there's a lot of variance within inside of family groups. There is. Yeah. There is. Yeah. Very typically. Cool. Well, Gretchen, hopefully uh, we'll catch up with you the next time you're in Kansas City. I sure appreciate you dropping by. Excellent. So fun to talk to you. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I wonder if you could do me a favor. Could you leave an honest review on iTunes? Your ratings and reviews really help, and I promise I read each and every one. Thanks.